Hub podcast. Chris Ish Smith is an NBA champion, Warriors legend. How do you feel about that? It only took 13 teams um, <laughs> for him to get one, but he, you know, he finally did it. Yeah. Congrats to the Denver Nuggets. They just uh, won their first NBA title, beat the Heat in five games. Pretty fun NBA finals, despite kind of it being a short series. There were some close games throughout the whole thing, good battles. Um, so we're going to kind of dive into the Nuggets as champions, what it means, Jokic, Heat, everything here. I want to just get kind of your instant reaction to that, Cree. They just um, they just lifted the trophies. They just started popping champagne. Jokic doesn't seem phased at all. It seems like this is his like sixth NBA championship, and he's like if, so stoic walking around. <laughs> I mean, yeah. ridiculous. Uh, but what are your thoughts? I mean, that's on par for who he yeah. is as a person and a player. He's not one to make headlines or be dramatic. And I think that's why people were complaining about these finals, because both of these teams are pretty low-maintenance, no-drama teams. But yeah. to me, real NBA fans enjoyed that for a change, it seems. you know, With the Warriors being in the finals last year, the Celtics, you know, the Lakers have been in the mix, the Suns, everyone. Those are teams that have a lot of drama around them and just bring out kind of the worst in the NBA. Um, and this this finals, although it wasn't super entertaining or super close, it was fun to at least have the discourse be about basketball and what the players were actually doing on Imagine. the floor. I know, Imagine crazy that. concept, right? Maybe they could learn something from it. Yeah, no, this was like the people's NBA Finals is kind of how I thought of it. Yeah. they It's just two teams that loved playing basketball. They're all about like team hoops. They're not about egos. And it's the love of the game. This was a win, in my opinion, for like true basketball, true NBA hoops. And I hope we see more of it going forward. And, you know, maybe we talk more about this later on. But with the new CBA, it seems like there will be fewer opportunities for like super teams and dynasties to come along, which typically generate a lot of drama around the NBA and their teams that are overcovered. So we'll see a lot of these teams that we've seen in the past five years or so, like NBA champions, like the Raptors and the Bucks and the Nuggets now where they're, you know, homegrown teams thrown together. They, you know, maybe aren't the favorites to win it all, but they put it together and they play they play as a a group as a unit and it's real basketball and it you know it's exciting if you pay attention and watch it i think the nba is trying to make that happen more move away from the super teams with the cba so i think this is kind of the the start of of that with the nuggets but who knows they you know i guess just quickly on the nuggets they've got a they've got a juggernaut team and they could be around for a number of years so yeah i think the warriors Last year, we didn't get to... Obviously, they played the Nuggets in the first round, but way different team than the Nuggets team this year. Although they had similar rosters, they made a really smart trade and a really smart free agent signing with KCP and Bruce Brown, two oh, yeah. veterans, kind of defensive-minded players, brought toughness to their team, and then 
obviously as well. Jamal Murray and um, Michael Porter Jr. returned from injuries, which is huge. Although MPJ didn't really have the best series, it just makes a difference when you have somebody in a role that could make some shots. But um, yeah, historically, the Warriors have, have played the Nuggets pretty well. I mean, they beat them in the playoffs. Obviously, I think their offense causes issues for the Nuggets defensively. Um, but man, they they looked really tough all year this year. I know a lot of people didn't really believe in the team just because they had never seen it before, and a lot of people were Jokic skeptics. I don't know how yeah. those people will have those same feelings coming into next season just because of what we Impossible saw. Impossible now. <laughs> no, yeah. definitely. I mean, he had one of the most historic playoff runs we've seen in a long time by an individual player. So, yeah. um, yeah, I'm curious to see how the discourse around the Nuggets will be because they're, they're still a small market team. Jokic isn't like a rah-rah player. So curious to see but he's definitely the truth and we learned that in this series no doubt i mean Jokic and steph are to me the two best players in the nba Giannis maybe close behind them that's the group and then there's Embiid, who just won mvp but he hasn't proven it in the in the finals and really in the playoffs at all so you can't be put in that same tier unless you prove it in the nba finals and go on a run Jokic did that finally this year. He's 28 years old. He's got you know, plenty of years ahead of him in, in his prime still. So he's putting together a hell of a career. And if the Warriors want to go out there, get that fifth championship, they're going to have to go through the Nuggets. There's no doubt about that. They're clearly here to stay, barring injury. Yeah, and it's unfortunate that we didn't get this matchup this year. Just yeah. because I felt all season... Even though the Warriors had an awful season, I still felt when the playoffs came down, I'm like, I don't really see any team beating them. The only team that really scared me was the Nuggets. And yeah, you know, we, we know what happened in the Lakers series. There was a lot of disappointing. Um, yeah, we talked about, we kind of talked about how the Lakers were a bad matchup for the Warriors, but the Warriors should win. And, and they didn't pull it off because of, I think, internal issues. I think they honestly beat themselves more than the Lakers yeah. beat them you know the Lakers to, to their credit like they played well took advantage of the Warriors dysfunction but to me it was more the Warriors self-combusting after a rough season um and yeah so hopefully you're right hopefully next year we get to see a matchup with uh, Nuggets versus Warriors see how that would be you know both teams at full strength both teams not shooting themselves in the foot and, and see good hoop because that it's it's an interesting matchup for sure to, to conceptualize and just me saying this i i think the warriors would have lost this year to the definitely, nuggets if definitely. if the if they got past the lakers i don't think the warriors would have gotten swept just because um i think we have more firepower than the lakers to at least get a game or two hopefully more pride than them too but this <laughs> yeah. year i mean you got to give them due the the Nuggets were just so efficient, so just didn't really make that many mental mistakes. The Warriors, yeah. like you said, it was kind of the Warriors versus the Warriors this year, which we've talked about a lot. Um, yeah. So yeah, Nuggets were a disciplined team, no doubt, and they had they had some defensive problems when you compare it to their offense, which was his, like basically historically good in these playoffs. Their defense wasn't their strength, but it was interesting in in. Game five, or uh, yeah, game five here down the stretch, they 
won on their defense, essentially. They held the Heat to just 89 points, despite Jimmy Butler's attempt at a heroic sort of comeback at the end of Game 5 that fell yeah. short with a couple of maybe questionable decisions from him. But <laughs> he was he was hitting some threes, got to the line on that uh, arguably bad call <laughs> on the three-point foul. But, you know, Definitely he clearly said... He clearly said, all right, it's my time. I haven't been hot, and I haven't really been good all series, but if we're going to win, it's going to be on my shoulders. He went out there. He nearly pulled it off. Uh, so, I mean, I don't know. Let's, we want to talk, talk about the heat a bit. What did you, What were your yeah, thoughts on there? Yeah, for sure. There? And yeah, I, I, I think you make some good points. It was a little a little too late um, yeah. with Jimmy. He kind of had a pretty bad game up until then. But yeah. it's interesting. A lot of these... Game, the really only blowout game was game three. The rest of the games, up until the end, the, the Heat had a chance to win. And for a team that is way less talented than the Nuggets, I thought that the Heat played really well, played really hard, and definitely had a chance to win. I mean, in some of those games, their role players just, oh, man, played horribly. Like Max yeah. Strews. I think was averaging like eight percent on his field goals and up until tonight. <laughs> yeah. Um, Caleb Martin had a lot of bad games. Even Gabe Vincent had had some stinkers. So, you know. Yeah, some guys who sort of carried them. I, w- I shouldn't say carried guys who were outperforming expectation and really pushed them over the edge to get them to the finals. Like Gabe Vincent, Caleb Martin, in particular. I think those two sort of disappeared in the finals i think it was the stage was huge the nuggets are a very good team the nba finals is all about stars typically which is you know you saw jamal murray and Jokic shine the brightest i mean they were an incredible duo in these finals i mean just murray man that guy's going to be an all-star next year there's no doubt about it he yeah he was a borderline one this year didn't make it but that guy is clearly he, he's a guy he's a dude yeah definitely i mean yeah Jokic obviously you know star of the series played incredibly well but aaron gordon and jamal murray were amazing i i yeah. aaron gordon might have even been their yeah. second best player this series i know jamal right, had some big relax dude he the defense he was playing on jimmy butler was insane um that's true people have made this comparison i've heard this with with him he he sort of had his wiggins moment last year where he was like a a guy on a middling not even middling a guy on a bottom tier team in the nba in the orlando magic and with wiggins obviously it was on the timberwolves get traded to a contending team fit into a role play defense rebound score when you're needed to score uh just do what you're asked and you're rewarded so congrats to him. Yeah, he was he was for long stretches locking up Jimmy Butler. He played great defense. Yeah, he and and he's an ideal person, kind of like like you said, Wiggins on defense, where he's good in any switch. Probably um, Gordon more than Wiggins, just because he can kind of guard one through five. I mean, he was getting switched on to Lowry and Vincent and just locking them up, as well as you know guarding Bam, guarding Jimmy. Yeah, and, and it wasn't even this series, too. I mean, he was guarding, like, KD yep. for long stretches during the Suns series. He was he had his shot at LeBron during the Lakers series in the Western Conference Finals. I mean, yeah. he was great. He was 
he was great all, all playoffs. And I think that's a great point that, especially with this new CBA and you know it getting harder for the top spending teams to acquire talent, you definitely got to look out there for the distressed assets. I mean, they traded, I think it was um, RJ, not RJ Barrett, RJ Hampton, Bull Bull, and like, a, um, what's their old shooting guard's name that they had? Gary Harris and a first Gary round Harris, pick yeah. for Aaron Gordon. And that's just a home run trade. And same with the Wiggins trade. We traded D'Lo and we caught Wiggins and Kaminga. I mean, that's an A-plus trade um, for Bob Myers, which we'll, we'll talk, touch on a little bit later in the podcast with his announcement that uh, he's retiring. But it's trades like that that can change the fortunes of a uh, NBA team and you can get your first championship like that. I, I mean, it's just awesome to see players get the opportunity yeah. to perform on the biggest stages. And it's interesting because the the Warriors have been attempting this in some ways even before this new CBA was struck where be, because they were paying so much money to their stars, they had to find value in guys like Otto Porter Jr. coming off injury. Um, and you're right, like with, with Wiggins going to pick up guys who are kind of on the cheap. And I mean, DiVincenzo is another good example of that. Someone who had an injury on the Bucks was a good player, but then struggled the next year on the Kings. So the Warriors have attempted this and have been able to find some value. Uh, they, I think they tried it with Jermichael Green this year, but it didn't really work out. You're going to hit and miss with this strategy, but it's going to be necessary for contending teams for sure. Yeah, and I, th- I think it's easier with trades to swing that and, you know, like mid-level exceptions and stuff. It's it's pretty hard on minimums to strike gold like we did with Otto Porter and stuff like that. I mean, they signed, it, they signed Bruce Brown to the, the um, taxpayer mid-level, and he obviously played extremely well this series. They traded two good players. Um their backup point guard from last year and um god why am i blanking on both the names who they traded to the wizards um they they traded <laughs> it they traded Campazo. no it wasn't and... Campazo. it's uh oh my gosh well anyways they traded kcp monty tra- morris yeah monty yeah. morris and then the what's the other dude's name i thought it was Campazo. Like... no uh can't remember. Oh Monty gosh. Morris was kind of the yeah. The it was best basically player. Monty Morris for KCP, and that, that turned out to be yeah an amazing trade for them. He he fit right into the two guard that they needed. So, you know, really cool to see this Nuggets team get there. The Heat, like we said, it's a pretty unlikely story. I'm curious. I'm curious to see what they'll do this off season because they've been in what three finals now with Jimmy Butler, two or three. Just two, just two, just two. But I mean, but I think in close only four to three years. last year because they were right, a shot exactly. away from. They were they were literally a three uh, a three pointer away from being in the finals again. So, but yeah, I don't, so I Eastern don't Conference they, Finals three out of the last four years. Yeah, and I don't think they have the talent really to get over the hump, <clears throat> hump that we're seeing now. So not without a move, not without no, a move, or yeah. or without Tyler Hero taking a step i think because they huh. they paid him some money he was injured the entire series he was technically active for game five but coach spo decided to not throw him into the fire after 
being out for like over a month, which makes sense. I mean, and he's still sort of banged up. He was going to play injured. I, I get why Spolstra didn't want to throw him out there. But I mean, again, he was like, he's an important player for the Heat, despite his sort of his his downside. Uh, he's a creator and you could see their offense was struggling tonight and throughout this entire series, really. Yeah, he reminds me a lot of Poole. I mean, there's there's obviously due to their con- like they got the contract, so it proves it. Those type of players have immense value in the NBA, but just when it comes to the playoffs, it's like man, things get tight, and you really have to you really have to defend if you're. Oh, I think they're overpaid. The I think they're yeah. both overpaid. But my point is, like they've in- clearly invested a lot in him, so they expect him to be. <clears throat> someone to help out with the you know to, to replace guys who are aging like jimmy and and kyle lowry take some of the burden you know you're clearly not just plug and play yeah and, and he like, he definitely did that yeah. this season and same with pool like they i think they both kind of had mediocre playoffs obviously tyler hero was hurt so hard to yeah, say that just but like sharing the responsibility they needed that so they'll they'll need to make some moves if they want to keep contending but bam is great he had, a, he had he played amazing this series. Yeah, he was up against Jokic, the best player in the league, and he was he stood out right. Like he was yeah. strong, battling constantly, rebounding, playing great defense. Bam was very very impressive. He deserves some flowers. <clears throat> I saw on Twitter there like because obviously something needs to change for the Heat, and they're like, I saw people complaining that they need to trade Bam, and I was like, is Bam what the fourth best big in the NBA? I mean. I don't yeah, think that's I, mean, <laughs> I don't think that's crazy. You're not gonna trade Bam and gets a big better than him. I mean he might be the third best center in the NBA behind yeah. behind Jokic and Embiid. I, I mean because I, this year it was Sabonis yeah. who won third team all NBA. Who else would be up there? I don't I don't even know. I, I would take um Aiden or I would take um Bam over Sabonis easily. Yeah, Bam over Sabonis, Bam over Aiden. I'm not yeah. counting Bam Giannis over Cat easily. Yeah, Cat hasn't proven it yet. I mean, if AD is a center, you probably take AD over Bam, but he's not a center. Yeah, <laughs> he, he he should be, but he doesn't yeah. like to be a center. He was kind of a center this year, but yeah, like like we said, I I obviously would have enjoyed the playoffs more if the Warriors had a deeper run, but it's kind of yeah. ref- this season was awful. Just <laughs> around the Warriors, the vibes kind of. The vibe of the yeah. NBA season. So watching kind of- watching two teams who are fully bought into each other and like they have that it to be a contender. You it just jumps out at you again, right? Like we've seen it so many times in the past. You know, run for the Warriors. We know what it looks like, and clearly the Nuggets had it. Yeah, it's that kind of that special camaraderie and togetherness that you see. Jokic has helped develop that. Murray is, I think, the leader of that team in some ways, at least the vocal leader. Yeah. Um, so he's been a huge part of it. And Mike Malone, shout out to him, uh, did a great job coaching them and whipping them into shape, being a disciplined team. Uh, so I had like a couple before we turn to Bob Myers. We've mentioned him a couple times, but before we turn to him, I just had a couple of questions for you. Wanted to see, it's, it's kind of like legacy talk with these questions. Yeah, um, for sure. I'm ready. So we'll start. I'm a legacy we'll start expert. First. I just, <laughs> yeah. We'll start first just with Michael Malone. 
Coach Michael Malone. He doesn't like to be called Mike, so don't yeah. call him Mike. Yeah. <laughs> Michael. His name is Michael. Uh, where does he rank in the NBA right now among league coaches? Active coaches only. Uh, clearly, he's not like an all-time coach just yeah, yet. Yeah, but just you know in what? the active. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think it's interesting because he's obviously been around the NBA for a long time. He was even an assistant with the Warriors um, back in the Mark Jackson days. And he, I think his first head coaching job was in Sacramento with uh, DeMarcus Cousins when they were trying to make the playoffs for the first time and get that team going. And I thought he did a really good job with that team. He's a defensive-minded first or a defensive first-minded coach. Um, he's kind of a no BS coach. He has he runs a tight rotation. He has short leashes with people. He's pretty demanding, but that's what you need for some teams. Um, and then he got he got fired from the Kings. I think in his first year, even though they were like doing really well. And then he landed in Denver, and it's kind of been a slow roll, but obviously here they are now as champions. So I think I think he's up there. I mean, I think top six is not crazy to say. Um, what do you think yeah. on, on that? I mean, I look at, I think the cream of the crop is Coach Spolstra of yeah, the Heat, Spo. Steve Kerr, and then you just got to throw Popovich in there. Yeah, he he's had a rough go of it the past like five ish years since Kawhi left, or I guess since DeRozan and Lamarcus Aldridge left. But you know they're a tanking team; they were rebuilding. It's not his fault that they don't have they don't have the roster to compete. We'll see how it, it's going to be really interesting. We'll see how it goes with Wembenyama, uh, almost certainly getting drafted number one to the Spurs. Yeah, so that'll be fun. We'll see what they can put around Wembenyama. I think we'll see Popovich turn him into a real player. And then it gets tougher. I think I, mean, I think Ty Lu is still pretty Yeah, that's, pretty up that's there. where I was going next. Ty Lu and Nick Nurse is kind of yeah, the next tier for me. I agree. That's uh, what I was going to say too. Two NBA I, I, champion coaches and yeah. guys who are tactically sound who have proven it for many, many years now. And, and can make changes on the fly. I, I think that's something we didn't yeah. have to see from the Nuggets this year in this playoff run. They kind mm-hmm. of cruised through the playoffs. I, there wasn't really much adversity in their series, mm-hmm. um, and we never had to see them make adjustments either with rotations or kind of schematically. So mm-hmm. kind of hard to judge them there, but... I mean, I they, think he, they were there were some subtle ones, but yeah, um, but yeah, not on like a large scale. I think, and, and, and he, I, I can't lie. I mean, he did pull like MPJ in those first few oh, games yeah, when he, he was having a bad game, he he, and then series. he went with like Christian Braun or Bruce Brown more and stuff. So he did make adjustments, mm-hmm. but you know, never really saw him with his back against the wall and stuff like that. But no, I, right. I do think he's like a top six, top eight coach in the NBA for sure. Yeah. The only other guy I'm going to throw in there is Rick Carlisle, who has had yeah. a really long career, has won in NBA Finals. Uh, he's coaching the Pacers now, who are a rebuilding team, but we'll see maybe in a few years they're, they build themselves up to something serious, and he'll be back in the mix. We'll see. Um, yeah, definitely. That's, that's the kind of the list for me. And Sweet. there are some, some of the younger guys, like, or I, I guess not younger, but 
coaches who haven't actually won a championship, like Mike Brown and Will Hardy of the Utah Jazz, clearly is a good coach after yeah. one season. I was thinking like, Mike Brown, these... too. Yeah, yeah. But like you said, um, he's kind of had some hiccups as a head coach in the past, but definitely yeah. looks like he's going to be a good coach in Sacramento for at least the next couple of years with how they how they were rolling this year. Yeah, yeah. All right, and so then, so legacy talk then. I think we know where this is going next. It's Jokic. Um, I'm not going to pose the all-time in history of the NBA question yet because he's got a long way to go there, but... It's also pretty early. Is... He's only 20, 26. Right, but I mean, he's I clearly... Mean, but, yeah, he's going to yeah. have a resume for sure. He's building it, and he yeah. has two MVPs. He has a finals MVP and an NBA finals and, uh, under his belt now, so that clearly automatically vaults him into the discussion for uh, the list of all-time NBA centers. Um, so he, I don't think he's in that top t- He's I know for a fact he's not in the top tier of Kareem, Bill Russell, and Wilt yet. I think that's kind of the, the obvious top three to me. Yeah. What, do you agree with that? Definitely. Definitely. Okay. But then from there, you know, it just kind of depends on your taste. There's there's obviously Shaq, who is fantastic. There's Hakeem Olajuwon, two-time champion and an MVP. Moses Malone, David yeah. Robinson, Patrick yeah. Ewing. Of those guys, you know, how would you rank four through, like, seven or eight or something? Yeah. Um, it definitely gets interesting because – like you said, there's Shaq and there's um, like Shaq's hard because he has four championships and it, it, it gets hard comparing players when the championships really outweigh. I think that's when Steph kind of started to get into the conversation of like top 10 and, you know, maybe the best point guard ever is when he got that fourth because, you know, one is good. You know, I, no, better. Shaq only has three, right? Um, Am I crazy? Oh no, you're right. He has four because he has three with the Lakers yeah, yeah, and one yeah. with the Heat. And the one bad, with the Heat. Yeah, yeah. And then Sorry. no, no, no. It's all good. But like I said, one obviously every player wants one, and then you get two, and then it's like okay, three, four, five. You're really putting yourself up there. I I think I would have Hakeem still above him just because Hakeem has MVP of the league, defensive player, two Finals MVPs, two championships. Um, offensive and defensive force. Yeah, but it gets it gets interesting around. I would say he's probably better all time than Patrick Ewing. I don't think that's a hot take. Um, you threw that I agree. out there. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, gets, never won a championship, but no. listen, I mean, Patrick Ewing in a different situation is talked about differently. Like he's clearly an all time great, but he just couldn't string the resume together. So, I mean, sucks for him. He was <laughs> highly touted player, number one overall pick, but just um, couldn't put it together. So, yeah, I-, I agree there. Yeah, I agree. Like you said, Kareem and Bill Russell, you know, can't really touch those. I would have Wilt. That's That was your top three, right? Wilt, Kareem, and Bill Russell. Yeah, but in, I mean, I like to me it's kind of clear. It's like Kareem one, Will, Bill Russell, Russell two, yeah, and Wilt three. three. I will not take arguments for Wilt above Russell. Um, it, someone can come on this podcast and try to have the argument <laughs> with me, 
reach out, email us at officialdubsub at gmail.com. Yeah. Uh, we're not, we're not going to read it though. So yeah. And I, I think it, there. I think four and five is still pretty clear. I would have Shaq and Akeem over, um, which one do you have higher though? Oh man, it's tough. I, I guess Shaq, but I think Hakeem is, is underrated in terms of, uh, NBA history. But I mean, yeah. Shaq at his peak, tough. I mean, MVP three times final MVP. Yeah. 15 all-stars. I think I agree, it's but tough. it is pretty close. Yeah. I mean, Hakeem, he has an MVP, two finals MVPs, two depoys. I, I think they're kind of 4A and B. And then it gets interesting. Like you said, there, there's Moses, David Robinson. Oh, man. Did Moses ever win a championship? Let me see. Yeah, he had that one with sort of at the tail end of his career with the Sixers and Dr. J. He was the finals MVP in that year and, I mean, yeah. was great. I mean, the thing the thing that jumps out to me about I, – I, so I agree. I agree. Jokic is not above – Hakeem or Shaq yet so he's not top five center of no. all time I mean this center's list is crazy it's probably the toughest like yeah. list to jump to jump into because the, the how do you even ever jump jump Kareem or Bill yeah how do you jump tough. the top three it's, yeah or Will I mean even yeah. exactly it's like I, I don't know it's it's crazy you're gonna have to win four MVPs and four championships minimum because Russell is a five-time MVP 11-time champion man yeah and kareem won mvp six times yeah six time mvp i know and he's the all-time well i guess lebron's the all-time scoring leader now but right uh, so number two yeah yeah but i I think Jokic, like we said i I think we're both in consensus that he's probably sixth i would probably maybe have him over moses but he's definitely top seven i don't think so do you go moses above dave robinson the Admiral? I mean, obviously, the Admiral had, like, more team success, but I think Moses was a better individual player. Yeah. I, I agree. I mean, Moses yeah. is a three-time league MVP. Yeah. Robinson was one-time league MVP, although he he was the defensive player of the year as well. Yeah. Um, so, I, I agree. Moses, higher on the all-time list than David Robinson's, but it's pretty close. to me... To me, I, I don't think Jokic leaps Moses just yet. No, I, and probably not even, um, not even David Robinson either. But we just have, he's twenty six. I, I got. I was gonna say my where I'm putting Jokic now is seventh. I'm putting him above Robinson right now. Yeah, if he retired put... tomorrow, went to his farm in Serbia <laughs> to hang out with his horses, and completely disappeared off the face of the earth, which he will do. At some point, he's, yeah. he's not going to be around. He, he's going to be one of those guys that retires and it, he just pieces. Um, yeah. But so I got him above Dave Robinson, I think, after this run. Just what a historic playoff run. It's crazy. And, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I mean, he should have won the MVP this year, probably. You know, we said on this podcast, we had our picks and I chose Giannis. Did you choose Giannis or Embiid? I think I chose Embiid this year. Yeah. I mean, I. I totally think still that you couldn't really go wrong but it's now very obvious that well, yeah, Nicole Jokic in, in is the best player in the league yeah right um so you know and he could win two three more who knows who knows now that he has I mean, that ring there's, there's not the argument for like he hasn't done it in the playoffs so how can we give him the MVP again now he's done it 
So if he wants to continue to be the best player in the league, he'll stack him. That's how it works. And one last note before we switch over to the Warriors and Bob Myers stuff. Just as a neutral NBA fan when the Warriors are out of the playoffs, it is really cool to see players that haven't won a ring win a ring. Like, for example, when the Bucks won the championship in 2021, the Warriors were had nothing to do with those playoffs. They weren't in it. So it was just really cool to see a player that has had a lot of individual success in the regular season and stuff, but never that playoff success finally break through and have their moment and then finally get their flowers, especially in the day and age we're in where, you know, Embiid is probably going to get this type of criticism now next season where it's just, oh, you're a great player, but you deservedly so to a point, but you know, it's just tough when people are like, oh, but they haven't won. Oh, but they haven't won. You know, it's it's really hard to win this. Yeah. One team out of 30 wins every year. So I mean deservedly so for Embiid because he's actually flamed out in the yeah. playoffs multiple yeah. times, having, yeah. like, bad series, being, I don't want to say out of shape, but, like, clearly looking beaten down by the pace and physicality of the playoffs, where yeah. in the regular season he's so big and dominant that he can do it all 82 games you get to the playoffs every team is injured but battling so hard uh he is somewhat injury prone so he you know i think in multiple playoffs now he's battled through some injuries and played so credit to him there but yeah i mean make it to the finals at least (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah so i'm I'm glad that yoke because i don't i think he hasn't even has he even been to the eastern conference finals um, I, I don't think yeah they... yeah yeah that year against the raptors didn't when Kawhi hit that shot wasn't that the eastern conference finals or no no that was that was the series before i think oh yeah because they played the bucks in the conference finals i think so yeah no i don't think so double check yeah yeah double check that but like i was saying it i think it's just it's pretty cool that Jokic can find has finally won this and then you know, there's not going to be a slander on his name because he has been the best player in the past three years in the NBA, and a lot of people yeah. weren't believers in him. No doubt. So, yeah, that's awesome to see. All right, well, and then just, yeah, to follow up on that, yeah, so the Eastern Conference Finals was Raptors versus Bucks. so yeah. the Sixers have not made it to the Eastern Conference Finals yet. Well, like, had the we Nuggets... Need- had the Nuggets yeah. made the Western Conference Finals before yeah, this they, year? Yeah, in the bubble. In the bubble? They, yeah. They played the Lakers. Yep. Yeah, but that doesn't count, so... <laughs> this was his first time in the Western Conference Finals, as we all know. Yeah. That season doesn't count. <laughs> so, all right. Cool. So yeah, let's, well, let's switch gears then. Yeah, wrap on the 2023 NBA season tonight. So, definitely a change of direction. Yeah, change of direction for the Warriors. Bob, this was kind of rumored all season, but general manager Bob Myers, after 12 years or so, 10 years, I don't know how long it was. I think it I think was 2011, years. so that's when right. he came on. So so something like that, 12, yeah. 12 years. Uh, he is stepping down as general manager of the Golden State Warriors. He had some iconic moves, and you know, most notably it was bringing in Kevin Durant in free agency, one of the biggest free agency halls in the history of the NBA, if not the biggest, um, a centerpiece of the of the dynasty and the organization, is kind of stepping away, and we don't really know what his plans are next. He hasn't hinted at anything, but 
from all accounts, all the reporting sort of seems to suggest he's taking a break from the NBA. Maybe he goes and works in business. Maybe he just focuses on like his podcast or investing, whatever, uh, before he jumps back into another role. So shout out to Bob Myers. He he leaves a team that is aging, one that he put together, a core that he loves and cares about. And I think it sort of just came down to the fact that he didn't want to be part of the deconstruction of the dynasty. That's that's my take on it. Um, what are your thoughts on maybe why Bob Myers is stepping away first? I think he's just burnt out. And, and we saw it in the press conference and, you know, Following the Warriors, we know that Joe Lacob is a, is a great owner, but also can be a very demanding person. I mean, there was kind of a lot of passive-aggressive jokes towards Bob Myers in his press conference, like, oh, you're working until June 30th when your contract's done. Oh, I'm calling you at night all the time and stuff like that. So they were lighthearted jokes, but I think there was some truth to it. I don't think it's easy to work for Bob Myers. I don't think it's easy to have been in the spotlight like Bob has for the past really nine years since the Warriors have been kind of the darlings of the NBA. And I'm sure he's just burnt out. I think that there's a lot of options for him out there. I think there's media options. Obviously, basketball jobs would be out there for him. So, And I think a factor of it, too, was he doesn't really want to be the first person to break up this really special thing that the Warriors have had for the past, you know, 10 years. So I think there was a lot of factors, but definitely kind of just the dynamic of his job in the organization. And I bet this season took a toll on him. I mean, the vibes were horrible all year. And one of the best parts of Joe or uh, of Bob is that he kind of manages all the egos of the team. He's, you know, has a pulse on the team and is there to mediate and stuff. And I think this season really took a toll on him. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a fair take. And I think his role in the organization changed over time as success came. Joe Lacob's arguably ego grew and he brought in his sons who developed outsized roles in personnel decisions. Mike Dunleavy was making personnel decisions. And I think Bob moved farther away from like roster building and, and drafting uh, the draft picks. Clearly he was still involved in that, but he was more of the personality manager and organization manager relationship builder um, throughout. I think he potentially was tired of that, right? Like he, he knows basketball. He knows how to build teams. And I think that, I think the Lacob brass has started to just sort of take over the organization in a way that was expected. And we all sort of thought was already occurring. Now it's pretty clear, right? Like the, still the key decision maker is Joe Lacob, but without Bob Myers in the room, I'm hoping that a culture of just sort of being a yes man to the owner doesn't develop, despite the fact that, you know, it's been reported Kirk Lacob is essentially like the number three personnel decision maker in the the organization right now. Uh, Then there's there's Mike Dunleavy. Not ideal. Yeah, not ideal. 
Uh, it's it's a little shaky in my view. Um, so we'll this, it's going to be really important to see uh, who steps up and becomes the next general manager for the Warriors. We've heard from reporters like Anthony Slater and Tim Kawakami of The Athletic that it's most likely an internal hire, a promotion in the Warriors organization, and the most likely candidate is Mike Dunleavy, who was a Warriors player, Mike Dunleavy Jr., that is, Warriors player, and has been the like assistant GM for the last few years. Um, so, you know, it's hard to judge how Mike would be as the Warriors general manager at this point since he's never been a general manager in the NBA. Yeah. Uh, so that would, you know, don't want to jump to conclusions there, but he's been gr- groomed in some ways by Bob Myers and developed a- as the uh, obvious successor. I think Bob even mentioned in the press conference where he left that he's going to help Mike Dunle- Dunleavy out with Draymond Green and uh, made some jokes like that where it's like he he's the most likely candidate. Um, but it'll be interesting because it's been, what, has it almost been two weeks or a week and a half since Bob Myers stepped down and there yeah. hasn't been any sort of indication as to where the Warriors are going to go with this other than the, re- the reports from uh, sort of NBA and Warriors insiders that it's going to be an internal hire. Like we haven't heard that they're interviewing any candidates yet. We haven't seen them obviously promote Mike Dun- Dunleavy yet. So I- I'm a little bit surprised that it, if it's so obvious Mike is the next choice, why hasn't he been uh, promoted? Could be, it could, I mean, that's a great point. It is weird that it hasn't happened, being as the draft is in 10 days. And I think this is a draft where it's not assumed that the only move they can make is their draft pick at number 19. I think there's, and we'll get into that with uh, future podcasts and articles and stuff, but I think there's a lot of options on the table for draft night whether that be yeah. drafting a player or making a trade. We, we've seen a lot of trades happen during draft night. So you'd think you'd want to have your GM established before that, before a pretty major offseason. Yeah, and it's and it again has been reported that uh, currently it's Mike Dunleavy and Kirk Lacob sort of taking control of the ship and, and establishing the draft day strategy and even preparing for free agency and off season strategy. So they're stepping into that role now. We'll see if anything is official uh, in the near future, which we'll obviously talk about if, if it happens. Um, but I just thought it was interesting that it, it hasn't happened yet. If yeah, it was, if I it think was we'll, clear who the successor was going to be. I think this is also due to Joe thinking he could, talk Bob back into the job he even said it in his press conference with Bob he didn't find out the full answer until that day when they had the press conference he thought he was going to be able to convince him otherwise and he failed in that so he's a prideful guy probably the first time in a long time that someone's told him no to his face so I think (laughs) he you know Rightfully so. I mean, he's an incredible businessman and successful person, so he thought he would be able to keep the man around. But if he has different priorities, and I don't blame him. I mean, it's a really stressful job. So Yeah, and it was interesting in the press conference, Joe kept saying, like, 
I didn't, you know, I don't understand the decision. I yeah. still don't understand it. It's, it's like, a weird press conference. Hmm. Yeah, it's like, hmm. I mean, he probably told you why, right? Like, you, yeah. I'm sure you asked him. You can't, you can't like empathize with what he's going through. It, it was very well, interesting. B- Bob Myers isn't able to work with his family, so maybe he doesn't understand <laughs> uh, getting family time. Good point. Good point. Yeah, you can't yeah. just hire family all time. His kids. Is work for Joe Lacob. Mm-hmm. For the Warriors now. Yep, it's the <laughs> Golden State Lacobs. But I, I think we should end this off just on a high note, kind of talking about you know Myers's legacy and kind of his best moves. Sure. Obviously, an incredible GM, four championships in eleven years. Was the mastermind behind maybe the best team ever in like 2016 2017 best team i've ever seen yeah 100 percent. so um i don't know maybe we can go move for move but what's like one move that stands out for you and then we can just bounce it back and forth uh, yeah so my all-time favorite move from bob myers was signing andre iguodala um yeah that was sort of the catalyst of the dynasty of kicking off the dynasty of kicking off the first championship in a really long time for the Warriors. It was getting Iguodala on the team. That that offseason was incredible for him because well, I, actually, you know what? I don't want to like kind of give away maybe some of your favorites. What is, what is your favorite move of all time for Yeah, Bob that's Myers? that's a great pick. I mean, that was like a franchise yeah. culture changing free agency signing and I don't think it would have happened without the like relationships that Bob had and and that leads to my pick. I mean, the KD pick, it's the easy cop out one, but that's just a monumental legendary free agency signing. He had to <clears throat> make some, you know, salary cap maneuvering with like Harrison Barnes and Andrew Bogut to make that tr- uh signing possible and I don't think we would have got that KD without him. I think he's a very good emotionally connected person and was able to because katie's a weird dude and a former agent yeah exactly so i think those relationships really helped him so that's that's probably my top one but i agree with that andre one as well legendary and i guess so in the same off season they also uh, actually no sorry it was the off season after after the iguodala pickup they they brought on Steve Kerr as the yeah. new head coach. They fired Mark Jackson. That's not a player move. And obviously, you know, Joe Lacob was going to be involved in hiring the head coach as well. But convincing Steve Kerr to come coach Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and Draymond Green and Andre Iguodala on the Warriors was huge. And if you remember at the time, Kerr was leaning towards becoming the Knicks head coach. Oh, I mean, uh, he Phil Jackson that was, now. Yeah. Yeah, Phil Jackson was the was sort of running the show in New York, and that's Steve Kerr's former mentor. Or there, he's probably still his mentor, but I mean, you know, that was his former head coach when Steve Kerr was a player. He could have easily gone and been the Knicks head coach, but instead he made the right choice clearly to come join the Warriors. Um, so huge haul there from from Bob Myers. Do you remember I think who it's overlooked because was... it wasn't a player move? Oh, a hundred percent. Do you remember who was like second? Uh, like runner-up for our coaching search that year. Ooh, I actually don't. It was Stan Van Gundy, because wow. um, 
and I think we didn't do it because he wanted that was at the time where he was like the the coach GM of the Detroit Pistons and then mm-hmm. he left and then they he wanted the same kind of role with the Warriors and I know they were close to doing that and then they they went away from that but man that would have been awful in retrospect yeah so I'm glad that didn't happen and we got Steve Kerr another one of his moves that I think about is uh I mean a draft move he drafted Draymond Green with the 35th pick you know that's one of the best value at its position picks of all time similar to Jokic I mean second round pick that turned into a hall of famer same with Draymond Green that's that was also just an amazing draft they got Harrison Barnes Festus Azili Mm -hmm. and Draymond just insane draft yeah great choice one that I loved too was um, we already mentioned it, but the Wiggins trade. Yeah, uh, I think that's probably his steal. Yeah, second or second best. You think so? I mean, yeah. I mean, he hasn't done. He didn't make a lot of trades. No. As GM, he was more no. of a free agency draft kind of guy. Yeah. He didn't make a ton of trades, so that was a huge haul. Uh, Wiggins was incredible in the twenty twenty two championship run. He's still now on this team, and, and Bob Myers was able to get him to re-sign for sort of a bargain deal um, for the oh, next, like, definitely. four years or so. I mean, know, his, I contract, can... his contract mm-hmm. negotiation skills are pretty crazy. I mean, he got Wiggins on a great deal. In 2012, I think, we signed Steph to a four-year, $44 million Another great deal. move. Yeah, yeah, insane move. Um, got KD to take a little less to keep the team around. Um yeah, it's definitely going to be sorely missed. Is his just relationship with players and his ability to walk the line between you know making a deal with Joe to like save him money, but also looking out for the players to get them their bag as well. I think he did a really good job, kind of having both interests represented. Yeah, represented. So we'll see if Dunleavy or whoever replaces him kind of has that same cachet. But I don't know. Yeah, tough. Very tough. Very tough. He's moving on. Um, again, I do think his role has changed. So I, we'll see like if strategically the decisions the Warriors make in the offseason change as much. Because I, I think it had changed in the past few years anyway with the whole movement, which you know we talked about and I wrote about um, in the article on the Substack. Uh, movement towards like the, the youth development alongside the the aging core yeah i don't think i don't think that was like a bob myers idea in my opinion i don't know for sure i'm just speculating but that doesn't seem like bob myers's uh style he would have rather most likely gone all in on the core and continue to extend the championship window which he tried to do but really that that kind of strategy sounds like a joe lacob strategy to me yeah, 100%. And we talked about that on the last podcast that his decision was kind of if he was able to fully run the show and not have mm-hmm. to do what he didn't want to do. And I think that was definitely a part of it. So, yeah. It's interesting. I hope that the players' best interests are in mind with our moves and our roster construction. I mean, it's going to be a big month. There's the draft and free agency. I think. <clears throat> they isn't free agency 
more close to the draft now than it than it used to be. Yeah, free agency they, starts June thirtieth, so that's just a week after the draft. Yeah, on I think it June was usually 23rd. like in July, like the first week of July. So definitely some interesting weeks ahead for all the teams. Um, so we'll see how the Warriors' biggest competitors, like the Nuggets or the Suns, or you know, I don't know who do you, who do you think the biggest competitors to look out for the free agency and draft are like the Nuggets, Suns. I think Clippers. the Clippers are still yeah. going to be, a pl- and maybe even the Lakers if LeBron comes back. So I think it's kind of that group of four. Yeah. Um, Kings as in, well. In, I mean. in the West, in the West at least. Yeah. yeah. We'll see. The The Kings are going to try to improve around the edges, but I don't see any big moves coming from them most yeah. likely. Yeah. But yeah, no, certainly the Kings have a future. Yeah, for sure. Well, definitely sad to see Bob go, but pretty understandable. Sad to see the NBA season pass on but you know pass on or (laughs) yeah (laughs) r.i.p no sad to see the season end but the nba is kind of a a uh 12 month sport these days i mean in three weeks we're going to vegas to watch summer league in person so yeah june and and early july is still nba season in some ways like there's gonna be a lot to talk about and write about which you can find on the Dubs Hub Substack. So yeah, so make sure you subscribe to that. Definitely, Dub or uh, yeah, that and our Twitter page. Yeah, stay tuned with that, and then we'll have some podcasts coming out. So you know, make sure to lock in, and we will be back with you guys pretty soon. All right. <laughs>